Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at Dennis and Barbara Rainey's book, Staying Close. The subtitle is Stopping the Natural Drift Toward Isolation in Marriage. Last week, we started looking at a section of their book that's titled, The Seven Threats to Oneness and Intimacy. We covered the first two threats, a complex culture and difficult adjustments. We begin today looking at threat number three, the 50-50 plan. Think about when you got married. One of the expectations you probably had about how that relationship would work was that your new spouse would meet me halfway. After all, that's really what society's plan boils down to. You do your part, and I'll do mine. This concept sounds logical, but couples who use it are destined for disappointment. Someone has said, The spouse who says, I'll meet you halfway, dear, is usually a poor judge of distance. In fact, the Rainies say that many Christians get married with a Christianized version of the 50-50 plan. They weave in a few threads of Christianity and tack on a few Bible verses, but they still have the idea, you do your part and I'll do mine. As we saw in last week's broadcast, a marriage is under pressure from a complex culture and the difficult adjustments partners need to make to each other. Each partner brings a certain set of expectations into the marriage. When these expectations are not met, disillusionment sets in and dries up the dialogue. Soon there's no dialogue at all because the 50-50 plan leads us straight into conflict. As the couple fails to communicate and make the necessary adjustments so expectations can be met, loneliness and isolation are almost inevitable. The expectations we bring to marriage sets us up nicely for buying into the 50-50 plan for a happy marriage. It's not long before expectations are not met and disagreements reveal the biggest weakness of the 50-50 plan. It is impossible to determine if your mate has met you halfway. Because neither of you can agree on where halfway is, Each is left to scrutinize the other's performance from his or her own perspective. Thomas Fuller put it this way, Each horse thinks his pack is heaviest. That certainly is true in our marriage. Many times in a marriage, both partners are busy, overworked, tired, and feel taken for granted. The real question isn't who put in the hardest day's work or who had the most pressures or the most hassles. The real question is, how do we build oneness here instead of waiting for the other person to meet us halfway, or by always keeping score to see who did his fair share? The Rainies say that the 50-50 plan is destined to fail for several other reasons. Acceptance is based on performance. Many marriage partners unknowingly base acceptance of their mate on his or her performance. Performance becomes the glue that holds the relationship together, but it isn't really glue at all. It's more like relational Velcro. 
It seems to stick, but it comes apart when a little pressure is applied. Giving is based upon merit. With the meet-me-halfway approach, we give affection to our spouse only when we feel they have earned it. If they meet our expectations, we drop a few crumbs of praise and loving attention. Motivation for action is based upon how each partner feels. During the engagement of those first few honeymoon months, it's easy to act sacrificially because the heart is pounding, the blood is racing, and romantic feelings fuel us to perform. But what do you do when those feelings diminish? If you don't feel like doing the right thing, perhaps you don't do it at all. Each spouse has a tendency to focus on the weaknesses of the other. You know, if you ask most husbands or wives to list their mate's strengths in one column and their weaknesses in another, the weaknesses will usually outnumber the strengths five to one. It's uncanny how we tend to focus on weaknesses rather than strengths. We log them and categorize them in the computers of our minds. We remember those times when our mate let us down or disappointed us. Those memories are stored in our minds in neon lights, always ready to remind us of our mate's weakness, idiosyncrasy, or bad habit that is irritating, disgusting, or even maddening. When we've been disappointed numerous times, we have a hard time remembering anything good about our spouse, and this keeps us from doing our part in the marriage. And if this continues, we say, well, why bother? It isn't worth it. I don't see him changing. I'm not doing my part because he isn't doing his. The romantic feelings that were supposed to fuel the relationship have faded away. And when this happens, the original 50-50 agreement becomes 40-40, then 30-30, and finally 10-10, and then two people resign themselves to a mediocre marriage. As a result, the two retreat into a state of isolation where neither is giving the other much of anything. They are married, all right, but they might as well be living alone. The Rainies tell us that expectations go unmet in marriage for at least three reasons. One, sometimes you don't know what your mate's expectations are. Two, if you do, you may not be able to meet them. Three, there are times when you may know what your mate wants and be perfectly capable of doing it, but you just don't want to. Sex is one of the relationship areas that can easily fall prey to the 50-50 plan. Sexual images and innuendo permeate our media today, and whether you are a youngster or an adult, you can learn erroneously that sex is a performance, not a relationship. It's 50-50 personified. She does her part, and he does his part. There's no emphasis on sacrifice and the giving up of oneself to achieve oneness. The Rainies say that the classic problem with sex in marriage is that the woman wants her husband to meet her halfway with tender affection and touching, and he wants her to meet him at the door in a negligee every night. When neither seems to make the other feel that the halfway point was reached, both retreat instead of building oneness. 
The biblical plan for marriage states, I will do everything I can to love you without demanding an equal amount in return. This is a hundred-hundred plan of unconditional acceptance which builds oneness instead of isolation. If marriages are to succeed and become havens of oneness rather than dungeons of isolation, Christians must do more than simply add a few Christian touches to the world's 50-50 plan. The 100-100 plan calls for a total change of mind and heart, a total commitment to God and one another. This is the plan, the superglue, that holds a marriage together no matter what pressures may come. Well, to this point, we have looked at three formidable threats to oneness in marriage. One, a complex culture. Two, the difficult adjustments couples have to make, particularly in the first years of their marriage. And three, the 50-50 plan. We're now going to look at another threat to oneness that the prophet Isaiah pinpointed over 2,500 years ago when he described basic human selfishness like this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. You know, obviously Isaiah couldn't have been reading my mail, but it certainly sounds like it. I want to go my own way, do my own thing. I want to have it my way or not at all. I'm really your basic, self-centered person, just like you. We all instinctively look out for number one. Harmony in human relationships has always been difficult to achieve. The greatest test of harmony is marriage, where two imperfect creatures seek to defeat isolation and become one. Two people going their own selfish separate ways can never hope to experience the oneness of marriage as God intended it. Society feeds our self-centeredness. In 1979, Christopher Lash wrote The Culture of Narcissism, a book that the New York Daily News called Abiding New Study of Present-Day Society. Lash's book became a national bestseller because it struck a chord with readers who instinctively knew he was right. Our narcissistic society continually feeds our ravenous appetite for self-satisfaction. Indulgent toward our own needs, and indifferent toward the needs of others, we have become in great part a society that knows little of true sacrifice and self-denial. If you doubt Lash's thesis, consider the basis of most of the advertising messages that bombard our senses 24 hours a day. The commercials stridently shout their slogans, We do it all for you. Have it your way. Looking out for number one. Get the best a man can get. You deserve the best, and on and on. As Lash observed, advertising serves not so much to advertise products as to promote consumption as a way of life. The modern propaganda of commodities and the good life has sanctioned impulse gratification. While our time is gone for today, I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m., on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, 
mutualunderstanding.net and click on the Mum Live tab to view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.